Welcome to Off Center Podcast. I am so glad that you guys are here with me. And I have this. Okay, so looking at the screen, this is family talk for me. I have three of three of my favorite cousins. All of my cousins are my favorite, just in case they're listening. <laughs> and we have the wonderful Dr. Mack with us. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Are you guys excited to be here? Because I'm excited that you're here. Yes, I'm excited. I'm going to sit back on my hands before I start clapping them. Y'all know. (laughs) You know, you know. So today, okay. I think I strategically picked my guest today because we are talking about redefining sin. And um, I know that these young ladies and myself, we do attend church. Dr. Mack, um, do you, are you a believer? Yes, I am an apostle and a bishop in the Lord's church. I do attend. Oh, yes. praise the Lord. Okay. So, okay. Praise the Lord. So we got some, okay. We also, we already know what foundation we starting on. Look, the good old, the good old book. So redefining sin. Do we really need to redefine sin or is it already defined? Because the world that I see today, people are taking it and twisting it and turning it. And and it's kind of like you leaving what sin is up into your own interpretation. But I think it's already been interpreted as what is sin and what is not. So why does it look like the world wants to redefine what sin actually is? Well, I think it's because um, there are like people are nowadays real. um, It's semantical. If that's a word there, they they like to get into semantics of things. Um, It's like sometimes as human beings, when we're doing something wrong and we know that it's wrong, we kind of like try and, you know, talk our way into believing otherwise when we know for a fact that it's wrong. Like if we're say, say for instance, we're at a store and we see a candy bar, but we're hungry and we don't have the money. We'll be like, well, I mean, if I weren't hungry, I wouldn't have stolen this candy bar, but you know, I'm really hungry. So it's like, we kind of talk in circles around things that we shouldn't be doing just to excuse or make it not seem as bad. When we already know we shouldn't be doing it Um, just to make it right for us. But then we make it right for us in that aspect, but then make it wrong when other people do it, which is kind of weird as well. Because if it's wrong for you and if it's the same for you, then it should be for them. Then it should be for you as well. I absolutely agree with that because I'm in a theological ethics class right now. And my professor, he used to be a pastor and, okay, yeah, he didn't want to be a pastor anymore because he didn't want to mislead the people of God. And ultimately, um, he he's told us, our class, that he's a homosexual and he's decided that not all of the Bible is true for him. So he, he takes bits and pieces, he quotes Bible verses in class and says things that fit into his lifestyle and i i just i think that people are just taking certain things and fitting them into their lifestyles and what they 
they think fits best for them is what they're living by and other than that then they just like yeah no nah, that's not what god meant or you know like that um can you speak to that um since you are of the clergy dr matt um i would say one thing that i've, I've learned about um uh, the thing that we call Christianity or what we call religion. First things first, um, I think we mislead people when we say that, oh, I have religion. I have relationship because without relationship, uh, then, then I have nothing. And the other thing that I think that we forget about is we, we function as if Christ has never come. Christ has redeemed us from what? The law. So I no longer have to function as if he's never come. And not only that, the third thing that I, I live by, we ought to live a, a daily life of repentance. Absolutely. But this one thing called grace is what keeps me and what sustains me. Now, I'm not saying I've done everything right. I'm not saying that I have all of the answers. I'm not saying that I, I've done everything that I'm, so, I'm supposed to do. But who the son says free is free indeed. And I'll remain that way until he returns. A lot of people. Uh, look at people and they judge them because some people's sin may be, may be outwardly while other people's are quiet. Does that make sense? And we put them based off of what we can see. Just because I look this way, you might do the same thing, but yours might be different. Your sin might be different than mine because I, you can see mine versus seeing yours. But my thing is, it's not, no, not necessarily the sin, but it's the motive behind it. And if you're doing things, what's your motive? Am I, am I making sense? So I'm I'm at the point now where I'm I'm operating in God's grace and I live a constant and daily life of repentance. And that's the only way that we can do it, because I knew who God called me to be when he called me and he knew everything that was going to come accustomed, come with who I am, if that makes sense. And um, I don't think he makes any mistakes because the gifts of God are given without repentance. I think that him even having that answer was. You you are still misleading the people, regardless of what it is that you are saying. You're misleading them because now you're making them have to choose between what you first showed them to now what you're showing them to say, well, that's not true anymore because I don't identify with that part. And it also seems as if like he already knows his lifestyle is wrong in the eyes of God. Because although, you know, nowadays I see a lot of people who are into the homosexual lifestyle um, say, well, homosexuality, God doesn't talk about homosexuality in the Bible when not only is that wrong, he does, but he also talks about sexual immorality all like in its totality. So it's sometimes like, like, again, going back to what I said earlier, like how we sometimes try and like rationalize our wrong to not make it seem as if it's as wrong as it actually is. And so like the fact that the, your teacher or your professor said, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, uh, I don't want to be a pastor anymore because um, of whatever reason shows that there is some type of guilt or knowing that he, his lifestyle isn't approved or accepted in the eyes of God, which I mean, everyone, which goes back to what, uh, Doc said, everyone's, uh, you know, sins, everyone sins. We're, that's why Christ died for us. Everyone sins. It's when not only you justify the sin, but you perpetuate it as well when it becomes a problem. And so I think that 
him perpetuating the sin. It's not the fact that he has these feelings that makes it wrong. It's the fact that he perpetuates it. And on top of perpetuating it, he uses the Bible to hit, to, to kind of switch what it actually says and put it as to, well, this is what I think it means and my lifestyle and this. And he kind of makes it about himself instead of making it about what it actually is, which is the word of God. When it comes to redefining sin, I see a, I see a bit of that in society where people are trying to um, manipulate uh, biblical texts to kind of uh, foster or diminish what they do. Um, but I feel like it's not necessarily sin that's being redefined, but more so the relationship aspect of Christianity that's being redefined under the guise of uh, God loves you and God accepts you. And it kind of creates this concept of because God is love, yes, that now he's tolerant of certain sin when, in fact, his scripture says exactly what it says. It's what it says in the Old Testament is what it says in the New Testament. Um, when it tells you or when it forbids us of doing or engaging in certain acts or certain uh, practices. And I feel like nowadays people are trying to uh, warp that and make it seem like, well, it's not necessarily it. it and I, I would, I'm trying to say people kind of convolute the relationship with the religion, whereas, well, because I have my own particular relationship with God, then I can do what I want to do and it not really be, it, it not really affect my salvation when in fact yeah. you can have that relationship, but there is still a aspect where you, you, there's expectations that we all have to live by that, that we have of God and that God has of us that should be consistent. If that makes sense. It does, because I think it's part, that's part of it. The consistency, because in order for us to, not make sin in a lifestyle, we have to be consistent uh-huh. with, you know, the things that we are, we know that we're supposed to be doing. Like, you know, we've always been taught and it's the read for yourself, study, read, study. And when you're consistent with that, then you're able to line yourself up with what God is saying and not saying to do and not to do. But when people are looking for ways to get themselves out of that, then we're it's no it's no reading and it's no studying and it's no under it's no real understanding of what it is that God is actually saying. So it's kind of like, do you really know that you're not supposed to be doing half of these things? Because as I even talk to people, I realize that people who say they are believers really don't really haven't taken the necessary steps to even be believers. And I've noticed that more and more. And it's kind of crazy because it's people that think that they've been calling on God this entire time, but they haven't gone through the steps to have that right relationship. So it comes back to the relationship and not the religion because they think they have the religion. But it's the relationship that they never questioned or anyone ever said, this is how you get in right relationship with God. I think that's also a step that we miss 
and understanding how to come to him or how to get to him or how we draw people to him. Well, I feel like relationship and religion, in a sense, is dimorphic, where they both are two separate aspects of one conception or one belief system, but they work together. Once you are active in the relationship part of Christianity, once you built that relationship with God, then you will like inevitably fall in line with religion. And although I don't necessarily consider myself extremely religious, if that makes sense, what what religion teaches us in the Bible, I feel like will follow once you develop that relationship. So it shouldn't really be a, um, oh, well, I, you know, I have this relationship with God, but I don't want my relationship to be contingent upon how I like rituals or religious or routine. When in fact, it all falls together, just like with with Jesus, he is, he has a relationship with us, but he's also religious with us where he does what he says he's going to do. He wakes us up every morning, gets routine in what he does for us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we kind of try to uh, twist it and make it, you know, not make it one sided when it's, it's a two way relationship. And on both sides of those, on both sides of that relationship are expectations. I think the one thing that we sometimes miss uh, or that we forget I heard you say cousin. I'm going to say everybody cousin because I'm in there now. We family. Um, it's covenant. Christ came and established a covenant. And where you're weak, I'm strong. Does that make sense? And in order for him to keep his part, we've got to keep ours. And, and Am I making sense? So that's what the mutual beneficial partnership is. That's where the exchange comes. So because of what he did, I got to do my part. And sometimes we as believers forget that we got a part. We forget that he's holding up his day, his part of the bargain every day, but yet we fall short, but yet he continues to show up every day. And if we understood and value covenant for what it is, I think we wouldn't, we wouldn't have so many mistakes. I don't believe in mistakes. I'm going to say misturns. We wouldn't have so many misturns in, in what this thing we call belief is or what this thing we say kingdom is. Am I making sense? Uh-huh. So. And I think the reason why we miss, mess up covenant is because people have broken promises on this side that now we can't even trust him to do what he said he's going to do because somebody else made us dysfunctional on this side. But that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> the real that I that was posted for this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of risque. But um, one... I, I, at first I said it was too much, but then I thought about one is clickbait because it was just like, I, it was kind of like soft porn to me. Um, so it was like, click on that. Oh, what's that? Um, so when I sent it, I said that to say, when I sent it to Kennedy, her first reaction was ill. That was my first reaction when I saw it to myself. But as I'm thinking about it now, it's the norm and that's the reality in today's society. Um, and I was at work the other day and one of our administrative assistants was listening to a preacher and the preacher said, if it's two women sleeping in the bed and it's a child in the house, that's child abuse. If it's two men sleeping in the bed and it's a child in the house, that's child abuse. And that was just the snippet that I heard of 
the sermon. But it started me to think because in the world that we live in now, it's becoming so all-inclusive that everybody is included and everybody needs to feel welcome and everybody needs to feel like they have a place in this world and in this society. But where is that place when we talk about Christianity and 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 being and doing what God has called us to do? Like, what does that look like? I cannot understand what, like, what does that look like? What, what, what would that, because those are also people that need to be drawn to Christ as well, you know? So, and I think, um, part of the conversation is how do you draw people in love having those conversations when you may feel as if their lifestyle totally goes against what God has said. If that makes sense, I don't think it's necessarily my uh, who. It's not. It's not my business to um, as who I am. I'm a watchman of people's souls, not the police of their bed. And my job is to is to preach the good news and to bring the word and let the word do the work. Once I plant the seed for whomever, me or anybody else, the words the job for the word is for the word to do the work, and I position itself be it for me or anybody else. So it's not my job to judge anyone for what they do. Um, all I'm supposed to do is plant the seed and let what and let the word bring itself and do what it's supposed to do. I think we um, we take our job as believers sometimes too serious, and we be policing stuff that ain't got nothing to do with us. And I think um, my, my little six year old niece told me something. She said, "TT, I'm gonna put my hands in my pocket and mind my business." And I think if we did some of that, sometimes a lot of things that we get in with controversial, we would have to because it's not on our desk and it's not our job to fix. I mean, I agree to an extent, but in some aspects, uh, I do strongly disagree. I feel like when it comes to children, because, I mean, if they're living in a household where there's same-sex marriage or same-sex parents, I feel like that sense of agency has been stripped from them. So in that case, I feel like it is important for people of God to not um, invasively insert their opinion or the word of God on those situations. But I do think that uh, we are mandated in a way to go out and to seek and save that which was lost. So not necessarily just like, oh, if I if someone is in the grocery store and he starts talking to me, then I start talking to him, but to kind of go out and, and take that initiative through love, <coughs> sorry, through love, through kindness, to um inform people of Jesus Christ. More specifically when it comes to children, I do one thousand percent agree that that's child abuse. Uh I feel like one main thing that the, um, I'm not saying this in reference to what Doc was saying, I'm just kind of saying my own opinion, but I do feel like Christians tend to compromise and we tend to not like that. We lose that passion that I feel like Jesus and his disciples had, where it was when we see injustice, when we see something wrong happening, if we're not directly affected, then we won't intervene. But I feel like the whole point of God was to provide that agency, was to provide that advocacy for people who can't for themselves. If a child is raised in the same 
sex household or on in a household where there's a same sex marriage reunion, I feel like it is uh, imperative that someone does kind of step in and provide that sense of not force forcibly, but someone does kind of try to enlighten the child and the parents on what it means to raise a child because when they're raised in a same-sex household they're being robbed of the father figure or the mother figure which can be detrimental as they get older to their to the developmental process so i feel like in a way i'm kind of like my 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 thoughts is just if it's wrong say something about it but in a way through love and through kindness where people can receive it um but to put it out there so it's out there you know and then like you said let the word of god do its work yeah, I agree because um I um I posted on my channel like last year about how, you know, if there was an attorney who were to point out like a legal discrepancy, we'll say, you know, that's a great attorney. If, you know, a doctor were to point out um or to make aware of a biological discrepancy or or um ailment, we'll say, Oh, that's a great doctor. But somehow when Christians point out moral discrepancies or moral ailments that's plaguing the nation and society, then we're looked at or deemed as being judgmental or judgy. But it's kind of contradictory to me because Christians are supposed to be the the people who uphold morality. And what we see in today's society is how there's no type of morality. It's 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 nothing but immorality. No one Every, there's no truth anymore because now you have people who are making their own truths, you know, and, and saying, well, that's their truth or that's my truth. But what if your truth is a lie? There is truth and then there's a lie. And people think that there there's no lie, but there's different forms of truth. And if we are supposed to be people who uphold morality and people who are beacons for truth, then when do we as Christians hold ourselves accountable as not doing that and hold ourselves accountable as to the condition that society and our nation is in right now, which is a terrible condition. You have boys who are born boys and saying that they're women. You have men who are literally mocking God and mocking the sanctity of marriage and desecrate desecrating the sanctity of marriage and marrying other men thinking that God is in that, thinking that there that, that that is an actual marriage when it in fact is not. And it is in fact a mockery of not, of my faith and anyone else who believes in the faith. If we are supposed to be the bride of Christ, God sets a, a clear picture and display of what marriage is. And for people to mock it, and to people and for people to to desecrate it and for us to be like well that's none of our business i kind of feel like that when when do we as christians hold ourselves accountable for where society is in the, the condition in the state that society is in right now um i think one of the re one of the answers is what jordan said part of it is we're compromising we compromise a lot um, people don't compromise because we, we, I feel like we compromise a lot because we don't want people to think Christians are bad people. So we compromise on what we, what we say or how we say it, or when we address certain things or what we don't address or what we don't discuss and talk about. 
because Christians are looked at in this light of such negativity at times where we just, you know, okay, we won't talk about that sin. Let's just stick to this sin. Yeah, I was going to say, they make it political when it's like, I was, um, I remember thinking like when I was somewhere at some point in time and I was one, I was thinking like people don't feel, and I'm including myself in people don't have that urgency to evangelize or to say something when something's wrong, because I don't think people have fully like understood or imagined or conceptualized hell. And once you understand how real hell is, how hot hell is, you'll start to have, <laughs> you'll start to have that passion and compassion and that urge to get to, to win as many souls as you can again through love and kindness. Um, it's crazy because I was thinking about this podcast today and separately, I was just like, okay, I was sitting here in bed because I'm sick. I'm off work. And I'm like, okay, well, let me um, let me read the Bible. I'm just sitting here looking at, like, political videos on YouTube and look at, you know, read the Bible. So I went to the book of Ezekiel, and I was reading. I got to chapter 4, and I was – it was, a, I think, the second and third verse when God was telling Ezekiel about going back to Israel, Israel and telling them – about God and he was telling them they're going to they're going to rebel against you but it is better for them to rebel um and you still be saved versus you to just not go and then you are accountable for those souls who didn't follow me and i feel like that's very uh relevant to this conversation because there's like doc said there's going to be people who are not going to you can say it and it's going to fall on deaf ears, whatever. You know what I mean? God bless those people. You tried. You, you can't force feed them the word of God. You can't physically implant the Holy Spirit into them. But there is a, a mission that I feel like all Christians have to remind themselves that they're on where you have to go out and say something because then they be, that that lifestyle, that narrative, that agenda begins to run the show. It begins to take over society and then it starts to affect generations and generations of people like children who end up being the future to our society. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's where I stand on it. <laughs> so the question was raised was about sexuality-based hell versus sex before marriage hell. And either way, it's a sin. Yeah. And I and I guess I'm saying that as a married person now. Um, but it was a sin, and I can only speak for myself. And I know that that was up that was something that I was in. And I'm not going to say, it, hey, you, you're not, you weren't supposed to do that. Or I know that. So now where I am as a married woman, I'm not going to judge where that other single person is because I know where that was. And I think that goes back to the grace that Doc was talking about earlier because we all are living on grace. So you basically saying because you marry, you get to worship and other we just get to praise and look. Oh, okay. You just want to throw it in our face. That's okay. I mean, That's all right. When our day comes, 
Don't you worry yourself. I need that to be fireworks Fourth of July. Do you hear me? <laughs> Till the Lord come get me. Till he take me home. The bed is under fire. I don't care if I flip over 25. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But go ahead. Go ahead. See, yes. I, I feel as if. If I would have known then. Now, I always knew it was a sin because we grew up in church. So I've always known it was a sin. But. Um. You know, walking in flesh, you you're not doing that, and you're not thinking about that in your teens, twenties. You're not thinking about that. Um, but if I would have known then what I know now. I would have waited until marriage because I understand that connection that he meant it for. I understand the reasoning he. He said it and he's so good and we quit and we need to stop questioning him because he's it's reason why he did all of these things. And it's not, I mean, do people care about going to hell for having sex before marriage? No. Why should we? Because I'm sorry, I'm jumping into the conversation now because I'm interested yes, in this. Topic. We welcome you. Thank you so much. Am I the only person who really likes sex before, during, and after being married? I mean, we really be talking like sex is not an amazing thing. And when you be like, you know, maybe, maybe we should wait. And I thought about waiting. And then I turned 13 and couldn't wait no more. (laughs) And then when I got divorced, um, after all those years of sex, what we're saying is, yes, Javon, you went through all those years of sex. You've had great sex, too. (laughs) Amazing sex. So now, because I'm divorced, I'm not supposed to have sex no more until I get married again. Yeah. So, but 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 divorce is kind of a sin. And the way okay. I thought about my wife before I got divorced was probably a sin. Um, so I got all these other sins that are just building on top of each other. Why should I then be like, you know what? All these sins that I've been accomplishing for all these years. I'm going to let sex be the one that I don't do when all of my sins have the same weight anyway. The only thing I can really do is repent and try to be better. But um, to say, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I, let's be real. That, that's not a thing. And that's I don't think it's the intent behind it. Yes. It, it's the it, it's the intent behind it, because now umbrella un putting all the sins in an umbrella like that makes it seems as if we're just collecting sins. But it's making when it seem like they all have the we same fall, we fall they do. Right. So what's why are we so hung up on the one than all of the other ones? Because now you're practicing this sin. You're practicing, you're no, practice makes practicing. Perfect. I am perfecting these sins. But that doesn't mean that the perfection of my one sin is um it has less weight than the unperfection of the other ones. It does. Baby, perfect your sin here. Perfect it and I'm do it well. <laughs> I'm All I'm what saying I want to do right, evil is still present. I ain't mad at that, you. That's I ain't mad. Well, sex, sexual <laughs> sin is, all sin are measured, like the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. So all right. sins do have the same, are kind of, you know, under the same uh, metric, but I feel like when it comes to sexual sin, it's more of a, a defilement and a degradation to yourself directly. If I was to lie or if I was to gossip or if I was to insult someone, 
it would be more so me sinning against them as sin, sinning against God. But sex, based off of my interpretation of the Bible, is more of a defilement against yourself where you're now allowing someone who's not been ordained by God, who really doesn't, is it's not permissible by God to enter and defile your body. And with that comes so many, aside from like unwanted or expected children or STDs, you have um, soul ties and you have spiritual spouses and you gain all of these spirit, spiritual uh, barriers or detriments that can become a lot deeper than what an average sin would be, you know, me cursing out someone that pissed me off wouldn't measure to me having sex with a man and I find out, oh, he's married and I find out, oh, well, now I'm pregnant but with a married man's kid and we had a condom, but it ripped. I feel like those things. That just me, escalated. Yeah, because. I love, I love her escalation. She escalated that. Well. That was there. That was there. We, yeah, I was there. You got, you got me when the condom ripped. Yep. I got you. <laughs> as someone, as someone yeah, who has ripped many condoms, I get it. Yeah, so condoms, condoms great. Condoms, they're ninety five percent effective, not a hundred percent. So once you right. step outside of God's uh, that safe haven of God's uh, protection, you're open and you're susceptible to any and everything that comes with that particular sin. And personally, it's a lot of nasty stuff that comes with that. It, sin. It, so I, I got a question it's, though. It's Can I ask you a question in that part? When you said when you step out of God's uh, nature for sex. But ain't it just nature, period? If 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 we gonna do it and we don't have no condom and stuff happen, ain't that how it go regardless? Yes. So if we're, I don't. At what part are we are we separating God, the nature of how it, what is gonna result in, regardless as to stepping out? You, you get what I'm saying? When we step outside of God's realm, nature says gonna we can be out of the realm or in the realm. Nature says if I do it and we do it and we do what we do. I'm going to have a baby regardless. You, you get what I'm saying? So that's going to happen regardless because that's nature. That's, are you understanding what I'm saying? I get what you're saying for sure. So when is the, so it's not a separation, but there is a separation. Does it, does that make sense? Yeah, I see what you mean. <clears throat> I see what that you was mean. my question. That was my question. If that I makes sense. And my question. Yeah. I, I think, the, I think that the, what Jordan is saying is basically, it's just like, you know, there is a, of course there's, there, there are laws of nature. But then there are laws of God, and God is Absolutely. sovereign. So Absolutely. you know, God yeah. operates outside of nature. So it's a good point that you did bring that up because it reminds me of the scripture of the lady at the well when Christ was ministering to her, and He said, "You you have five husbands," and she said, "I don't I don't have five husbands," but she had five husbands because she had slept with five men, and so the the nature of God, well, the law of God is spiritually. When a man and a woman engage in a sexual act, they become one in flesh. And one in flesh is marriage in the eyes of God. So That's if you covenant. are a single person, yeah, exactly. And, and so if you are a single person and you are having sex with Billy over here, you're married to Billy. And then yeah. you're having sex with yeah. Joe over there, you're married to Joe. And then you're having sex with Joanne over here, you're married oh, to Joanne. No. So it's like they're different covenant, covenants that you make that are outside of not only the protection of God, but the will of God. So when you when going back to what Javon said about, you know, well, I divorced and that's a sin and I have all of this conglomeration of sin. That's the point. That's why Christ died for you is because he knows that we are we are a wreck without him. And he bought us. It's, it, the, 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 the wages of sin is death. So 
Christ, when he when he did his job on the cry on the cross, he redeemed us from death, which means it doesn't give us the right to sin. It gives us the grace in sinning, which is okay. Look, I'm a human being. I'm gonna sin, but however, that's where repentance come in. Christ, I'm sorry. Help me to not do it again. Give me a new heart and a new will to to do your will and to detest the things that are detestable to you. And so that's where repentance come in, where I did sin, but you know what? My 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 wage for that sin is not death. My wage for that sin has already been paid by the cost and the price that, that God did on the cross. So it's I, not I, that I, No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just gonna say I have one hundred percent respected all thirty-seven of my wives. And I think that it's y'all will catch that in a moment. Um, and all I'm saying is, is that yeah, you caught it, did you, Jocelyn? You caught it. <laughs> You're around the you way, girl. It. Kennedy's almost there. To, listen, thirty-seven. Okay, at least you know your count, though. That's you should know right. your count, and and I know, know my count. count because I've respected every single last one of them. And I hear what you're saying. Like I, I love the point that you're making, Jocelyn, because it's a very um, valid point. You know, God brought us. Um, he he sent us Jesus to die for our sins. And I can't give you all the scriptures that you did. I've been going to church for 43 years, and I only know about three scriptures. I love the Lord. He heard my cry, but I don't know all the scriptures. But what I do know is that he loves me even in my filthiness. And he knows where my heart is. And he knows that when I was with the women that I was with, that it was never a thing, a, a moment of defilement for me. It was a true um, connection in my heart. Um, and in my mind with the person that I was with. And if it don't work, it don't work. And my thing was, you know, I tried it um, without marriage and it didn't work. I tried it with marriage and it didn't work. I like the without marriage because then when she act crazy, she can go. So I'm saying that all I'm saying is, is that I get the the whole everybody's concentration on sex but I just think, and I'm glad that um, Leandra had this topic because it just feels like there's so much attention given to, if I can dare say the word, homosexuality and 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 gay and and drag and all this other stuff. And when there's so many more issues that are troubling our you, world, and they, they are they. There are so many other issues that are ill in our country. But when you're being spoon fed certain things all the time, what are you it's being kind of hard? Listen, I cannot turn on my TV without seeing Girl. anything homosexual. Girl. They're turning all they're adding a homosexual character in all of our Disney movies. The proud thing. It's like, all gay anyway. What but it does not, about? but see, but that's the thing. But where was the time that we grew up knowing? Well, okay, because I grew up in the era where all of our beloved TV dads were homosexuals, but we didn't know that. We saw them as father figures in the house raising their families but that's not how it is now and i'm not saying that anything is wrong with i'm not here to judge anybody that's not why i'm he, why i'm here right, what i'm here that's not the kids i should be able to teach my kids about what i want to teach my kids about when i'm ready to teach my kids about it i don't need you to tell my kid what's acceptable or what you're as acceptable. They're doing that same thing, Leandra. And I'm not going to monopolize the conversation. I can't wait to hear what Kenny has, Kennedy has said about this. What, what I'm saying is that they're, they're using that same type of rhetoric 
for why they can't teach white kids that they great great granddaddies were evil people. Yeah. So it's like, well, I don't I don't want you to tell my kids what they can and can't learn. It's part <clears throat> of history. It's part of what it is. And all because if they were forced into being silent and forced into hiding because society couldn't accept it. I believe that we are at a place in 2023 where society can accept the fact that a man is going to love another man and a woman can love another woman. Because we want the world to be all inclusive and everything is not one size fits all. This is what happens when you separate church from state. When you have this this whole new societal construct where now everyone's free to do what they want and once you allow that, it then takes a takes all boundaries off the table and then things start to spiral out of control. I work in a school. There's no reason why young black boys who cannot read are already identifying as the opposite gender. To me, not only does that delineate uh, uh, grooming or indoctrination, but really a lack of adult presence in the homes and in other parts of society like schools, churches, community centers. When it comes to strictly sex sexual immorality, I for what I'm this is just the perfect this is right up my alley because I have a hard time understanding no, I understand it. I have a hard time accepting this whole LGBTQ sexual liberated movement. I feel like it's disgusting. I feel like it's abominable. I feel like it it it's way more detrimental and severe than people are, than the the big heads want us to, or big faces rather want us to believe. I feel like when it comes to, and then it, it's, it's not just about, you know, do what you want to do or it's possible, it's acceptable. It's the long, if you realize after, first of all, homosexuality didn't even become, it became no longer a mental illness in just 74. And before 1974, being homosexual was a mental illness. So that in itself goes to show you what this progressive woke agenda has done. 74 was not that long ago. You have people who are now not only saying that they're gay, but they are going through gender, gender dysphoria, which is not, which is supposed to be a mental illness, but it's now called self-liberation. And then this caused to self-mutilation, where now you have kids undergoing chemical castration. They're taking synthetic hormones to change their genders. It, it's, a, it's an agenda that's, that's affecting the minds and the hearts and the souls of young people that has a way larger effect, in my opinion, than them understanding their racial history. And I just feel like once people start to see the spirit operating behind that agenda, they'll become more, you know, passionate about it. It's not just a, oh, he just likes him and that's fine. It's it's a clear tactic by the enemy himself to completely destroy and diminish all type of self-love, self-respect, and respect for each other. And it's under this guise of love is love and mind your business when Noah. I will homeschool my child if I have to, if it means that they're going to be under a system or they're going to be indoctrinated to think that it's completely normal for at the age of seven to make that very serious decision that they want to start transitioning to an opposite sex. So it's just... Okay, and and hopefully, and I know Leandra wants everybody to give their opinion on this, so let me just get mine and get mine out the way real quick. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for those who are so thick, I guess... Hmm. Let me try to, let, me, let me go about this a different way. I knew um, early on in age that a woman 
and her breast and her butt and her legs and her thighs is what appealed to me. I knew that as early as I learned how to walk and talk, I just knew that. And no matter if my teacher, if my mother, if my pastor, no matter what they chose to like, I knew what I liked. At the age of eight, I knew that uh, that um, Tania, oh my God, Tania caught my eye, blew my mind. I knew what I wanted from Tania. At the age of eight, my best friend Keith knew that he wanted Tania's brother. I don't believe that Keith, one of the most loving people to that I have ever known, even to this day, died at age 12 and went to hell because he liked Tania's brother. I don't believe that he was an immoral person or that God loved him less because I saw the way that Keith worshiped to his dying day in church. So I can't say or agree with um, that the kids are being indoctrinated. It's a great word because I know what I liked. I knew my daughter knew what she liked. My son knows what he likes. And it didn't take me. uh, It didn't take a Disney character. It didn't take a drag queen show. By the way, I um, go to drag queen shows with with my gay friends and um, all this other stuff. And I can hang around gay people. I can love gay people because their gayness isn't something that's going to jump on me and automatically make me start wanting penis. I've never wanted a penis in my life. I don't want to, I don't barely want mine, but I do know that I love who I love. I know that my children love who they love because that's who they love and had nothing to do with the people on TV or the people around them. I, I and I get that. I don't think that it's necessarily um, the people. It's not. It's not necessarily what's being shown on TV. I believe in everything is spiritual. I believe that we're are, we are natural beings. We're spiritual beings having a natural experience, and we are spiritual beings wrapped in a meat suit. So everything that happens is not. It, it doesn't stop just at what we see there are deeper there's an invisible realm realm and there are forces working at play that we can't see so i believe that it's not homosexuality is not solely based on indoctrination via media or even family rather i believe that homosexuality is literally a, a spirit just for everything is spiritual and i believe that it's an influence it's, it's a it's a person under the influence of a particular spirit and we think that you have to be a particular age to you know be influenced by a different type of or any type of spirit that's not the case i do believe that you know spiritual influence starts at as soon as you pop out the snatch (laughs) The, the, the devil doesn't have any type of age limit as to when he wants to influence you and so i feel like children who are um, influenced in that matter or who have a desire in that manner are influenced under some type of spirit, be it an ancestral spirit, um, be it a spirit that they open themselves up to by what they view or what they watch or what conversations they're hearing that are not conducive for children. Um, I don't I don't necessarily believe that it's solely limited and marginalized to who they were around, um, what they've seen. So, I have a homosexual friend who literally has 
seeing what they're showing on Disney Channel and things now. And he said to me, I don't think that they should be showing that. I think that children should have the choice to choose and to learn in other ways what their sexual preference is. So I, and I, I think that that's big for him to say as a homosexual that that's not something that he believes is okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, children are being introduced to things way too young. Like Leandria said, we were not seeing those things when we were younger. I don't know what the proud family louder and prouder. What are you trying to say? And I feel like I think I had this conversation with Jocelyn before and we were talking about the unoriginality of the devil and how he takes things from the Bible and he completely perverts them he, and is making people believe that things are okay. They've taken the rainbow and they've changed it from a promise of God to being their sign of their pride. And that's not that's not what it is. It's being completely changed. And it's all bad. In my theological ethics class, we're talking about some crazy things, like things that are mind-boggling to me about homosexuals, transgenders, people saying that they're seeing Jesus as being handicapped and just like them, and he's in a wheelchair, and, and crazy things. People are completely perverting the Bible and it's it's not okay. You don't want to lose sight of God's promise and what God is saying just and make excuses for what it is that you want to do. It's people who have been delivered from homosexuality and what is the what is the answer to that? How are people being delivered from homosexuality but it's okay for you to be homosexual? Are they are they truly being delivered? Are we saying that there is no true deliverance? Like, what are we saying? Are we are we okay with practicing sin? Because ultimately, that's what you're doing. You have to acknowledge the fact that there's something that you're doing that is wrong. Don't make excuses for it. And once you've acknowledged that there's something that you're doing that's wrong, then that's when you go to God with a repentant heart, and then you work on changing it. Do I believe that you're gonna go to hell if you're not trying to? change your ways no but if you are living in sin and actively practicing those sins it's not looking too good for you in bible class last week we were talking about um matthew chapter 7 and how christ healed the man who was struggling with leprosy and um in the schofield study bible it referenced it, it, it kind of elaborated on leprosy um because of course back then in the biblical times leprosy was a a very fatal contagious disease highly contagious and it was talking about how they compared the sin to leprosy and how just like leprosy was a type of illness that literally maimed you and disfigured you and spread through all types of uh, all parts of your body sin is the same way and so it, it kind of put me back in the in the gospel when Christ said that if your right hand of your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. If your eyes causes you to sin, pluck it out because it's better for you to enter the kingdom of heaven maimed than to go into hell whole. And it, it kind of brought things to perspective about how sin is like a plague where when you continue to practice it, it completely disfigures you into the eyes of God where he will look at you and he won't even recognize you. And so the, the, which goes back to what Ken said, where it's like, and, and what I said too, that 
it's not the fact that we have these feelings because God understand that we're human beings. We fall short. We're freaky. It, the, 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 we, we, they're just things that we just do and think about that are, it's, 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 it'll just take you far out there. It's the fact that you continue to practice it. And not only do you practice it, you don't see anything wrong with it. You excuse it and you make it right. You know, even God said, what are those who call evil good and good evil? You know? And I'm not here to, you know, judge anybody, but I just feel as if adults make adult decisions and kids cannot make those logical decisions. So they have adults to make those logical decisions for them. And at those young ages that I'm seeing more and more um, kids come to certain conclusions about who they are and how they feel about who they are or are not. um, I think that it's other things that we can talk about at seven, eight, nine years old. Um, I, I think that um, to empathize with them is one thing, but um, I think that we all, they, they also need the opportunity to know what it feels like to be in that body. Um, I read an article about a guy who, um, who a guy who's transgender wrote it, and he said that he wished that he had grown up and learned what his what his born parts were about, what he was about when he what he was born with before he was allowed to drink to transition into the opposite gender, and he was just urging parents to give their children the opportunity to find out who they are inside the body that they were born in. And I think that's important. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have such a problem with, with showing it so freely like that, because how do kids, how do kids tell the difference between the two when you're just getting all this information and you don't have the the techniques to separate all of these different parts and understand okay let me figure out how I feel in this and then we have people that are just saying okay that's how you feel then we'll go with that and it's kind of like my granny say you wherever the wind blowing so we have to allow our children to get rooted and grounded in who they are right now before I can genuinely say okay I'm, I can see you doing that. I can see you transitioning to something different when you don't even understand what it is that you are right now. And, I, and it's not to judge. It's just to say that adults, we need to make the hard decisions that we need to make sometimes. And we need to make those decisions knowing that these decisions are the best for the children that God has put in our care. We should allow kids the opportunity to be kids. Certain things we shouldn't expose them to um, at an early age. But if we're going to talk about the things that we expose them to, that there's a lot of things that they're being exposed to on TV outside of what we've already discussed. Um, we got people out here twerking better than I know how to do my own blood because my blood don't even participate like that. But we got kids out here. There are other things that are influencing them as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to call all of it, call all of it on the carpet. We got people who don't dress in a spirit of excellence or give women 
a girl's a classy look because that's not what they see. They see people on TV looking like X, Y, and Z. I got to go buy me some butt and I got to buy me some boobs because I don't have none. So if we're going to call everything out that we're seeing with influence, then let's call all of it out across the board because now I know an eight-year-old that know how to roll a blunt better than a grown man does. Where they learn that from? So if we're going to call all of it, call all mm-hmm. of it from what we see because the influence is the influence across the board. We have music. My grandma called it a bunch of noise because that's all it is now is a bunch of noise. We got music that's teaching them about different things that TV is backing up. Does it make sense? So if we're going to talk about the influence of Disney, talk about what we hear the people that are the record saying. Uh, there's no, there's this one rap song that all I hear is they calling somebody a B. Something, 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 B. I'm like, what? You know? But that's what we hear. And we got girls thinking that that's, that's okay. That's okay for somebody to call you out, out your name. It's okay for you to look like this way. It's okay for a dude to treat you this way. So if we're going to call it across the board, call it across the board. Yeah, Can I get I'm, the number of the eight-year-old? Because I... <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, kids, you, you'll be surprised as the stuff that they hear and that they see. You know, yeah. and uh, some of some of my uh, youth clients, some of the youth people in church, oh, Apostle Mac, you know, that was so such. No, I didn't know that. And you hear these playlists. I can't understand none of this music that they be saying. I have no idea. But it's what they hear. And parents, mm-hmm. the, I, I grew up, we couldn't hear that stuff. We couldn't listen to, I couldn't even listen to Ice Cube today is a good day. Y'all remember that predator? That was like the best, I'm telling my age. But that's when music made sense. But now, you know, it's really horrible now. But I think it all goes back to sorry, Lizzie, you gonna say something? Oh no, you can go. I think it. I, I agree one thousand percent. It's all of we live in a very hypersexualized uh, society, and everything is just overexploitive. I feel like it is. It all falls under that same umbrella. Um, but I think that one thing that I'm realizing now, just based off what I'm seeing in society and then working in schools, is that. It, it all goes back to parents, you know what I mean? Like if, if this podcast, uh, more than likely a parent would scroll through within a, a child. So it's all about what the parents are 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 receiving, what they're taking in, what they think, what they feel, which is crazy because these kids are going to become probably early parents if if we're not if. Christians aren't stepping in and not redefining sin, but defining sin for what it is and putting it out there, letting people and using their testimonies as a a, a gateway to draw people in. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go in and talk about stuff that I haven't experienced. I'm a woman and I've dealt with a lot of the things that people have dealt with. I've always been attracted to men. But there's been times where a female has hit on me and I thought I just might. You know what I mean? There was times where I was 24-7 stoned out of my mind. It's because I've, I've grown past these things. And when it comes to spirituality, it's like when you're a crackhead, you go into rehab seeking treatment. You're trying, you're, you're trying to get better. You're trying to kick that habit. When you're a sinner and you're coming to God, it's all about restoration and redemption. You're trying to come out a new version of yourself than you were when you went in. <clears throat> so I feel like when it comes to sin or any kind of sin, but more specifically sexual immorality, I feel like that that is more um that has a longer 
long lasting effects because it starts to affect yourself, your children, how you see yourself, how the, your children see that see themselves, and it starts to defile you and make you operate in a way that is destructive. It ends up just being destructive on all ends, all playing fields. Yeah, yeah I agree with Jordan. And let's be real here, like 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 what Doc said, we're gonna talk about it, let's talk about it all because what we don't understand and what we kind of don't pay attention to i think we understand that we just don't really pay attention to is if we look at um the chronology of the united states morally we see how we go from the early parts and this is just in the span of a century we see how in the early parts of the 1900s everything was very conservative you look at tv and people the they didn't even show the parents sleeping in the same bed yeah, so now you kind of up the ante a little bit, and now you have not the parents sleeping in the same bed and women sleeping with other men in the same bed. And then you up the ante to now people getting butt naked on TV. Now you up the ante again to now you have pedophilia being shown and broadcast. And then you up the ante again to now you have naked girls being naked children being shown in plastic. Now you up the ante again, and now you got homosexuality. I was watching the documentary of on Brooke Shields the other day, and what they they literally took and again this goes back on the parents as well. They literally took pictures of her as a little girl, nine or ten years old, butt naked, and it came out. It, it, it ended up coming out, and now they they're plastering. They were plastering it in magazines. It was so wild, so much that it it, it caused such a national disturbance and uproar and so now you see how bit by bit decade by decade not only the sexual morality the the sexual morality has declined but the sexual immorality has reached a level so where we look up and we're like how did this even happen and and you know transgenders didn't just exist they've been around for centuries from the egyptians the ancient egyptians to the ancient greco-romans and even look at how those there's no that that those societies those ancient societies are completely destroyed ancient egypt known for being littered and 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 saturated with sex and lasciviousness they're no more you see the greco-romans greece they were literally they had a temple an orgy temple where they would literally have sex in the temple with with animals with children and now they're destroyed you see the Romans, they're destroyed because of their sexual liberation and lasciviousness. So it's like, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about sexual immorality, let's talk about sexual immorality in its totality. Let's talk about all that it encompasses. Even premarital, you have pedophilia, you have bestiality, and then you have homosexuality. Now it's being transferred to a point where these people are literally mutilating themselves and destroying themselves to be something that they were never supposed to be in the first place. And now when you allow it, there's no there, there there's no ceiling to it. Am I the only one that gets kind of uncomfortable with the combining of pedophilia, bestiality, and homosexuality? I can't. Am I the only one? Like every time that people put them as like a block, like their own grouping of sexual immorality, and feel free to educate me on why I shouldn't feel this way. But I think that um, a man loving another man or a woman loving another woman um, shouldn't be 
I, I, again, sin is sin. I, I know you're going to tell me that. Sin is sin. I'm right there with you. Sin is sin. All the sins are bad. But when we talk about sin, we'd be like, you know, cigarettes and, and drinking and, you know, that's the sin. And then sleeping with babies and, and toddlers and sleeping with animals and men with men and women and women being this other group. And maybe, I, I, I just don't think that that's okay. No, it's actually not okay. I'm sorry, Lily. I just had to say this because I just read an article. Uh, this 13-year-old boy was abducted. He was talking to another person on Twitter, and it's a community on social media. They go by maps. It's called Minor Attracted Persons. Basically, it's people, and that's this is what you know what happens when you open up the floodgates of sand. Everything starts to pour out, and you, there's no cap to it. But there, it's a group of people that go under the guise of maps on social media where they attract young people. They use certain language and they reel them in. And then people at the 13-year-old boy, I think it was in Iowa, they end up getting abducted and kidnapped and God knows what else happens to them. So it's like, you know, I know I see a lot of like videos of like drag queens and transgender people like, um, we're not pedophiles. But if you can try to convince me to look at you as an I could I physically see a man, but you, you want me to convince myself that you're a woman, then I'm almost certain that if we give it a few more years and we allow, if we continue to allow this immorality, I'm just going to say it, then it's going to soon be, well, if I identify as a woman when I'm a man, then I can identify as a 12-year-old woman and I'm a man. And that type of stuff starts to spiral out and then it becomes this one big culmination of just sexual immorality where at this point there is no ceiling whatever you have pansexual you have asexual you're you're attracted to whatever and i feel like that's just it's like no one's trying to like demonize them but you have to call a spade a spade if i like like i said when i was getting high every day i was a drug addict it sounds worse it's like oh it's just weed but be real with yourself if i'm doing drugs every single day and i'm high all day i'm a i'm an addict i'm a drug addict if you're a woman and you like a woman, you're immoral sexually. And that can lead to anything. My drugs led to me popping pills. Your sexual morality can lead to you messing with a kid. You start to blur the lines and all boundaries become invisible. If that makes I think sense. that it's um, improper to assume that going, that there, that homosexuality is a gateway to pedophilia or um, bestiality. I think that that yeah. is completely. I, I don't think every gay person is going to, is a pedophile, and there are people that are out there that are not pedophile, that are not gay, and are out here snatching kids and putting them in traffic in vans. Mm-hmm. And I think to associate that every gay person, um, and and their sin is attracted to a, a child, I think that's unfair. Um, no, I, I think that, I don't think that. I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm saying like when. You said that um, the the drag queen, um, the drag queens, people, they're just because they're drag queens, don't make them a pedophile either. Though, does it make sense? Not that that's what I that's what I heard. But did I miss what you were saying no, with the drag no. queen and the kid? No, I'm not saying the drag queen is a pedophile. What I was saying was, so there in Waukegan, Illinois, there was a situation where they had drag queens come in and uh, perform in front of children. Perform. I gotta start watching TV obscene performances in front of children to me in a school and and they read to them in libraries they perform they do these very 
um, vulgar dances where they're dressed in leotards and they have all of this. It's it's literally like in the wait wait. wait I, was, I, I just want to make sure. Okay, so the drag so the schools are letting drag queens come in in leotards to read and perform. I, the reading I don't care about to perform in leotards in front of children. Yes, yes. Will, the churches too. They're normalizing because I I as as liberal as I am. And I'm 100% liberal. And I know, Kennedy, you're on a lag, so we're going to let you come in at, next, too. As liberal as I am, if my nine-year-old came home and said, um, the drag queens came into our school, I'd be like, great. They read to us. Great. They performed for us. Cool. In leotards. Hold on. Like, that would be, that's my line. And maybe that's the, the in my opinion, uh, that's the the line I have to draw, but mm -hmm. I would I don't think that I would I guess it would probably be on the drag queens and the school board. I'm really questioning the school that says yes to anybody, male or female, to come in in um, inappropriate wear to do anything in front of children. I think that that's bad, but I also don't believe that that's every drag queen that comes into schools to read to the kids. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying in every case. I'm saying as far as term, when you say that you don't think it's fair to group pedophiles and people who engage in bestiality with homosexuals. I'm not saying that all homosexuals are pedophiles and are into bestiality, but I'm saying all acts are under the umbrella of sexual immorality, as I've used myself as an example, as smoking weed is still in the same umbrella as being a drug addict. You see what I'm saying? That's that's what I meant. And yeah, no, it is happening because a mother went up to the school board during a school district panel meeting and dressed in a leotard to show how inappropriate and obscene it was. So that's what it's happening and because I work in a school, these things just interest me, but these things are very much so happening. It's very real and it is a, a, an agenda and spirit behind it all. Yeah, I'm gonna, I can't wait. I'm going to definitely do my research on that and I appreciate you bringing it up, um, Jordan, because I I would want to know more information on that because I've, I've heard about the instances with the schools and the reading and coming in to volunteer. I've not uh, heard that extent to that level of extent ever, but can I, we ban bonnets? I'm just saying. <laughs> it's just the normalization of sin and we just don't want to get comfortable with normalizing wrongdoing that it's not okay. And, and that's exactly what that is. We don't want to become comfortable with saying like the drag queens, they don't have any business in the schools. They don't even have any business in the sight of God being drag queens. They, In my sight, I don't even think that it's okay for them to, to be doing what it is that they're doing. It's not, it's not okay. And we don't want to make it okay. We do not want to normalize wrongdoing because that is how we end up doing bad things. Evil communication corrupts good manners. When you garbage in is garbage out. When you are entertaining those types of things, it it opens up a whole new everything of all sin and you just start okay and sin and just everything just becomes okay to you. And we don't want to be cool with sinning because it's not right in the sight of God and we all want to make it to heaven. I want to see everybody in heaven if possible, but if you don't make it, I'm sorry. We gonna post this episode but y'all know how the people like to tussle. 
Good. Okay. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, we like. I like the tussle. Um, I like the tussle with the word. You know, people people like the tussle when you know. Um, because I, I almost wanted to tussle with Jordan when she started identifying addicts, and I was like, "Hold on, talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about nobody else." Leave me alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> talk about your own addictions. <laughs> um, but this is this is this conversation was another example of real conversation that needs to be had, conversation that people need to hear, conversations that need to continue outside of this podcast. And hopefully when our listener the listeners listen, they take these conversations and they have these conversations with their friends and their family with love like we just did, because I'm sure that um no one, this conversation was not meant to offend, but to educate um, and to just have a conversation based around what we know as our relationship with God and what he's called us to. And this is just another form of what he's called us to witnessing. Um, my pastor tells us every Sunday that we were called to go out. And I just pray that from this episode that people are listening, that we have, this is a part of us going out and speaking and talking and having people understand what it is that God has called us to. I want to thank Dr. Mack for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here, adding to the conversation, giving us things to think about. Um, and it giving us things to look at ourselves about, um, Jordan, thank you. Thank you for being here. And we have Jocelyn. Listen, Ali didn't do too bad for her first podcast. Girl, she just want to be heard. Now she over here sleep. She all true in true fashion. Um, Kennedy with all your tech issues I'm that you sorry. had tonight. I don't know. You still came and added greatly to the conversation. Okay, and as always, my producer. He does not directly reflect any opinions of <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you. So Jocelyn, before we leave, what tell us about Truth TV. So, Two TV is a Christian podcast as well. Um, we kind of go more in depth about the Bible. We go more in depth about spiritual uh, issues and circumstances that people go through. Um, like I said, I do. I believe. I strongly believe that we're spiritual beings having a natural experience wrapped up in a human suit, and so we dive more into the spiritual world and circumstances and issues of things, and we don't really. We 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 kind of you know shake the boat a little bit and okay. ruffle feathers. We might, <laughs> but you it's like definitely healthy talk. You like the tussle, and we yeah, I like to tussle. Okay. I'm from Chicago, baby. I'm from Chicago. Like more tussle. ways to tussle. Okay. <laughs> India. Listen, I don't really have one, <clears throat> but my uh, Instagram is J O R O B M A D. Gerard Matt and my Twitter is J M A D D X O underscore. 
Um, my Instagram is Apostle Mac 727. And uh, yeah, Apostle Mac 727. And my social media is um, my IG is TV underscore 333. Uh, my YouTube channel is TruthT.V7131. Um, and yeah, you should check it out. And of course, I am your host of Off Center, Leandra. If you're listening, like, subscribe, comment, and share. Comment, share. Let's have the conversation. But most importantly, keep it real.